Hello and welcome to Unidentified Wargamer. Each week I interview a wargamer and identify them in the hobby. This week I've got the best one around, the best partner there is. I've got Gemma. How are you going, Gemma? I am brilliant. How are you? I am going well. So if people don't know, Gemma's part of Failed Charge. Are you are you two the, the co-founders or what's going on with the Failed Charge there? Uh, we are a couple of the originals, yeah. So there was probably a group of about five of us and there's still there is still uh five or six of us around but um we've just sort of changed you know some of us have delved more into 40k uh we've done some underworlds and then michael and i have sort of stuck out with with aos through its changes so we're it's good that we cover a lot of bases though because michael and i don't get to play a lot of 40k so i wouldn't even be able to tell you how the game would roll to be honest so it's good that we have other people now in our group that that do that so they can actually touch on that if we ever bring it up it's 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 good because mm-hmm. I know you two are pretty limited on your time, getting commission armies painted up and everything else. Oh, yeah. yeah. Our workload at the moment is pretty hectic. So, yes, we are a bit restricted. And then, you know, we have met a lot of brilliant painters. And, yeah, we're just asking a lot of people to paint our armies for us, which is awesome. Um, they all look brilliant. And, yeah, we just we don't have – as you know, we've our scene in the out and about trying to get to tournaments has is not as – busy as what it used to be we used to be at nearly every single one we could get to and fly around the country but yeah lately it's just sort of been you know we're starting to get back on track but it's only been maybe one a year but we've slowly slowly made that you know maybe three yeah you've been to what three this year haven't you yeah we have actually and two are streamed so you know that's really exciting that we've been able to get back on into the streaming aspect of things so i've actually been over the last few weeks uh, teaching myself how to make an intro video for our channel and upgrading that, and I had to relearn how to use Wondershare, which is our, which is the video program that that I've got here. It's it's a free program, so it's really nice and easy to download. But just trying to relearn how to use it has been a bit of a challenge because I'm not an IT person, so <laughs> I'm I'm a little bit challenged there. But I'm um, watching a lot of YouTube and stuff like that has definitely helped me out. And has that sort of been a process you're really enjoying or do you find it quite stressful and you don't enjoy it? No, I really enjoy it actually. So uh, I don't know why because it, it's not really – I'm a, a sparky and a fridgy by trade, so IT stuff is really not in my field. Um, so, But I have really enjoyed that because I do like a challenge. I don't like not knowing something. Like I, I do like to get onto, the, onto YouTube or ask people. Uh, I know – uh, Jesse is, an, is a person that helped uh, throughout Masters. He was able to jump on and give us a lot of feedback with our with our stream because he's obviously part of the community. So he was watching and then he was able. He's used uh, OBS Studio a lot. So just learning from everyone in the in the you know in the hobby has been amazing. The support is just crazy, and that's one of the things that I love about about AOS. With the depth of all these programs, just small things you wouldn't think about. And people that have used them for so long know all these little tips and tricks. And it's just like, oh, that works really well. Like when you started doing the stream of the Masters and you had your little, um, what was the little touch board you had, which just made oh, things the stream so deck. easy. Yes, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, having all those sort of things or even just little hotkeys you can press, like what Jesse was saying, to to change like the audio and things like that. It's just like so drastic you wouldn't think of. Oh, exactly. And, it's you know, just having those people were very lucky the the amount of people that in that are in the AOS community is such a broad range and there's just knowledge everywhere and I feel like the community is so friendly that everyone's just they're more than 
more than happy to share that knowledge with you. And I think that I really appreciate that with everybody. And I just think that's such a key part of what we've got in AOS. And I think that's why so many people enjoy AOS as well. It's not just the game. It's just how friendly everyone is and how accommodating everyone is. Yeah. Yeah, it's super inclusive. Like everyone just wants to share, share as much information as possible. Exactly, I know when yeah. I was getting started, Gabe's just like, here's all the stuff that I know and passed it along to so I could get the podcast up and running and he made it real nice and smooth. So everyone's willing to share. No one wants to hold their secrets. No, they don't. And, you know, that's pretty amazing because even in such a, there is such a competitive scene as well, but they're still so willing to tell you about their tech and how they've done it and what to look for and how to combat against it and what it does. Like there really is very few people who will actually not share that with you and have like a bad game experience or just a bad experience with the environment, which is, you know, it's it's rare these days to me. And I find it amazing. Yeah, it's, it's quite an amazing community we have here, especially on Gold Coast and Queensland. Like mm. We're very, very spoilt with the amount of knowledge and people that are stuff that are wanting to share around and, and think all that sort of stuff there. Yeah, we how, are, we are. How, how did you get involved with the hobby and with getting into streaming and failed charge and things like that? Right. Well, uh, I started playing fantasy when I was probably about 17. So Michael Michael and I got together when we were all 16 and he played it when he was in primary school, actually. So then we sort of, you know, you grow apart and and he sort of went got into high school and then it was sort of forgotten about. And then, you know, we got we got together and I don't remember who I think it was Sean Horton. He sort of brought it up and we ended up going to this the store that was owned by the same guy that um, had it when Michael was in primary school, which was pretty amazing. And then oh, wow. it was, yeah, it was a pretty small environment and we started playing fantasy. And I, I, I will be honest, like I only really started playing it because Michael was playing it and it was something that we could have in common because we weren't living together. We we're obviously still in high school. So, you know, you sort of just do those things just because you know that the other person enjoys it and you just, you just go along with it. And I didn't, the people were fantastic, and um, I didn't I didn't enjoy fantasy as much with the amount of guesswork that you had to have with you know distances and angles and uh, all. I can't even remember all of it, but I did play it then. And then you know the same thing happened. Like we got jobs and we had to you know try and be adults and and responsible to a degree, and it sort of got pushed onto the back burner there for a while. And then Sean, uh, one of our friends, actually he bought the shop, uh, and made it battle station and we went back there i don't remember why but we went back into the shop to see him and then from that point onwards it was just you know that old friendship flame started again and we just went all in so you know we bought all these armies and then we went there and we played and we would go over each other's houses and we would do all that and then the next thing you know fast forward to to now and we started streaming because there was no one else really streaming and when I streamed with Rob and stuff at CanCon a few years ago. Now it was it was so much fun and it was just something that wasn't really on the Australian scene. So Michael and I thought, and you know, together with the Foul Charge, we thought, hey, why not? Let's give that a go. And we did, and you know, we started doing research. And I started asking Rob probably so many questions; he was probably sick of me by the <laughs> end of it. But I, you know, I have to say thanks to him as well because if it wasn't for him, I didn't know anything about the Stream Deck, and that's something that he uses, and the, you know, the headsets and just programming, and he just set me on the right track. And from there, I just, just really jumped in and and watched a lot of YouTube and. Um, read a lot of forums about how OBS worked and and also just gave it a red hot go and just 
you know, made a lot of mistakes, but that's how you learn and, and pretty much went from there and started getting asked to do events. And we were more than happy to travel around to as much as, as we could, because, you know, the Australian scene is, is so different from the rest of the world. And we really wanted to get what we do in Australia out there. Plus have so much fun on the way. Like who doesn't want to include that with your hobby? Like you're doing it because you have the passion for it. And then to be able to have really cool commentators on the channel, you know, you, you've been one of them and it was awesome to have you guys, you know, to have you on there and and just just to throw that out in the world is, I don't know, I just find it awesome and it's a passion of ours. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't really been blessed with people outside of YouTube that wanted to stream in Australia. I think it's more of a niche. I think having the, the cost is quite large for us with having to ship everything from like the UK or Europe where it's all in euros so it makes it a lot more expensive for us to get over here and then not having like i know there's a lot of twitch streamers but not as many in australia like it's not as big of a scene here um so i think we're definitely lacking so being able to have you two set up for the stream is just amazing to have for the australian scene yeah and you know just been going from one table to two tables and learning how to do that because we did have a laptop originally and then the laptop was sort of struggling being able to have the two cameras streaming the two tables and it would freeze a lot all the time so we've we've moved to a desktop at the moment um one of my one of our friends is probably going to look at building a little desktop for us that will be able to you know probably expand on that even more which is exciting uh so you, you know we're, we're very we're very thankful for all the help and we've we're trying to get as much as we can done like <laughs> having having two two done this year has actually it felt so good to be back and having you know everyone involved because i know it was a bit of a struggle through covid because i think you sort of set up just before covid hit was like when you started really getting into the streaming and stuff is that correct that is correct yeah and we, we were just doing battle reports as well so we would have sort of uh, we were doing it with our phones because we couldn't really set up the the camera over the table properly here. So we were adding that on our channel as well. So hopefully we can get that back up and running as well because it was so much fun just having people come over and visitors and, and doing a game. And we were making them so they weren't very long either because, you know, there's not very many – well, I don't know what it's like now, but there's not very many short battle reports where, no, you know, someone not. might be able to come home from work and they might only have 20 minutes just to chill out. And, you know, some battle reports go for three hours. Yeah. And, you know, they're also very good, but we just wanted to try and hit a different market in the sense of um, condensing it down to, okay, this is what happened this turn. Uh, we realised we made a mistake here and this is what happened because of that mistake and I've lost this unit or now half my army's missing and we've moved on to turn three. Uh, and now it's, you know, it might be Dennis's turn and then he'll do his turn and then we'll sort of do a recap. So they were a lot of fun too, and we did a few book re- book reviews as well, which were which were a lot of fun. I do I do miss doing those as well. So hopefully we can we can get them back on track too. And we do have a, f- a few good ideas with some extra battle reports as well if we can get them off the ground. And it's all been on your YouTube channel, correct? It has, yeah. Because yeah. unfortunately, like you said, there's not a lot of Twitch uh, in Australia, and you do have to meet a few requirements of theirs to be able to, uh, you know, one we're not monetized, so we haven't been able to reach those goals yet, but you do have to do a fair few videos, streams a month to be able to do that. And because we're quite time poor, it's a bit of a challenge for us. Well, even just the, the setup of playing Warhammer, it's generally mm. done over a weekend. So you're not streaming or having the chance to do an hour stream here or there. It's generally like a full day worth of streaming over two days and that's about it. 
That's correct. Yeah. So then, you know, we've I've learnt one of the things I learnt over the over the stream was the first time I did it, I actually just streamed the the first day as one whole, one whole thing, and that was sort of like one video. And then I realized how Twitch worked and you sort of, you get more views and it, you can become like an affiliate if you break it down and actually have each game as a separate, as a separate game. So, so it sort of starts, stop. But when you think about it, people aren't really watching you having a break. You know, they're going to have a break too and probably go have some lunch. So you don't really need to record all that middle bit. Yeah. Because I noticed when we were doing the stream for Masters, like you had set up for a break there as well, didn't you? I did, yeah. I had that on there just so, you know, we could, just in case someone forgot to hit stop recording or something like that. So it just wasn't a black screen and people were like, oh, okay, I guess it's done. <laughs> Unlike um, um, Nick and um, Gammy's wonderful game. Yes. Yeah, that was, a, <laughs> that was quite fun at the end there. I didn't realize what was happening until afterwards and it was just just stuff like that. Uh, it just makes you laugh and it just creates such a good atmosphere with the, with the shooey. <laughs> at the end there, I didn't know when I looked over and he was drinking out of his shoe. I was like, I was just started laughing. I was yeah. like, what happened here? <laughs> classic Nick. Uh, <laughs> classic Nick, yeah. Uh, so a lot of fun, and I, you know, I really want to be able to do some more events this year. I would really love to do some towards the end of the year. Like I know Runax is on our radar, so whether whether or not we can make that work or whether we jump on a team, we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one to try and stream because you've got the four tables to play with. So you've got to obviously set up two more tables. Is that something you would want to try and do or you just want to keep it to the two tables? No, i definitely like to expand if I can. Yeah. So now that I've got, sort of got the stream deck uh, set up because it's sort of saved now, so all that sort of stuff is I don't have to do it every time, uh, has really laid the foundation. So if I can get the computer to be able to have a couple more uh, webcams, I would really, really love that. The other thing I'm trying to look at now is other ways I can zoom in on the table. So I would oh, really, yep. okay. yeah, I would like to try and figure out how I can zoom in on on units or you know a character or if something exciting is happening, it would it would you know to me it would make a big difference. Whether or not I can get it working by you know the end of the year is another thing because I know that some of those cameras can be quite expensive. You need the old Scrivo roaming cam. Yeah, yep. And I know that some of the PTZs, you know, they're three, four thousand dollars, so that's a lot of money when you, yeah, you don't yeah. get anything out of it sort of thing, you know, you just you're just doing it as a passion. Yes. Well, especially since it's only something you can do once every few months. So you're not getting that value's worth. Well, I think Rob sort of streaming every month or two or three times a month tournaments and games and stuff, he really gets his value when it's his job, but as a passion project. I'm sure it's not something that yeah you want to spend three grand on a camera you use two or three times a year. That's right, yeah, and you know he's he's got such a good team around him as well. You know, like they're they're watching their stream is is quite amazing. You know, when you when you watch the recent worlds and they had eight, I think they had eight tables going. Like I was blown away by by that, and you know I, I watched that first game with Scott and it was it was awesome. One because Scott did such a you know he was so good in that first round as well. You know. It it was quite cool. Yeah, it's it's good to see that we're able to get the content out there because I know being such a niche hobby and not really having anyone outside, like I don't think there's really anyone besides you two, Rob and and Fail Charge, is there? Like I've I've not seen many games streamed through other people either. 
not really like streamed. US. No, I've I've seen some people do you know better reports and they they use their cameras set up for that, but it hasn't delved outside of that. They've just they've sort of stuck to their their cool garage battles. But yeah, streaming. Yeah, I think you're right there. I haven't really seen anyone else do it. Yeah, there's definitely a. I think obviously the being so small, it doesn't really lend to being a massive market. But we saw big numbers coming in for Rob, which is like really great to see that there is people out there willing to wanting to put some money and some time towards watching other people stream. Yeah, yeah, like that was super impressive to see some of those some some of those figures. You know that it sort of warms your heart when you know that you have that much support around you just from around the world. Uh, you know, even with our masters, I think we were getting upper over you know a hundred to one hundred and fifty people watching which I thought was just amazing because we've never hit those numbers before. So that was really exciting to see that. Yeah, it was great to see a lot more people. Like when we you, you came over and you're like, oh, there's a hundred and something plus people there. It's great to see for our small little Australian masters that tons of people are wanting to watch in and comment and come on the stream and things like that. Are you normally someone that wants to come and commentate on the stream or are you more behind the scenes? No, I don't mind commentating. It's just one of those things that I get nervous about because I don't know whether I actually understand the game to its full extent at this stage because I haven't had a lot of opportunities <laughs> to play. Yeah. Uh, so I get a bit nervous about that. But once you start and you have the people who are backing you up in the chat or you can ask the chat and get them involved, you don't necessarily, you got to remember that you don't necessarily have to know a lot about the game. You just have to know enough. And then you can always, that's a great way to be able to get people involved when, you know, they're sitting at home and you don't want to be bored just sitting there watching. So you can always ask them, you know, what the, you know, what do you think of this rule or what's this rule? I can't remember it. Or what do you think these guys are going to do here? And how many of these guys do you think is going to survive? And you can you can definitely use that to your advantage if you don't know all the rules. And then it's always good to have someone sitting with you who might know a lot you of need the rules. The Corey, you need a Corey as your sidekick. <laughs> That's exactly right. So we always have some sort of tactical thought to it to a degree about having someone there that knows all the rules. So if you don't have anyone in the chat, you've you, you've got someone to sort of land on to help you out there. Or they could have two, two different opinions, which even makes it more interesting because you know, for example, Corey could say one thing and then someone in the chat could say something else. Yeah, yeah. Get, get that engagement going and get yeah. that bit of banter, which sort of leads to more interaction and sort of creates a fun environment for both the streamers and the, the viewers to, to be involved with. It does. And I think Australians are really good at doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, have you sort of delved further into like with your videos and stuff, have you sort of done many battle reports recently or has it been more of a, a past project you went with? It's It's been a past project, which makes us a bit sad, unfortunately, because we don't have the room to be able to set up a table. So at the moment we've just got we've just got a room that either has painting terrain or a game. You have to choose one of those three things that you're doing. And I, at the moment I've actually because I have a bit of a terrain fetish, uh, <laughs> I, uh, three quarters of my table is actually covered in terrain at the moment that I've just started to paint. And I haven't painted anything for years. So yeah, it'll probably it's probably going to surprise and make a few people laugh that have. I've actually picked up an airbrush and started <laughs> yeah. to airbrush some some terrain, so I'm pretty keen. Now, I just blew a hole in the uh, in the tank, though, so I need to go get another one. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> yeah, only so much araldite's going to be able to help me out there. Yeah, have you been enjoying painting or getting back into the hobby aspects of it? I have. Uh, I 
I, you know, I didn't realize how peaceful it can be for someone to, you know, you know, you come home from work and you don't necessarily have to sit down and just watch something on TV. You can still be productive. And to me, sitting there, listening to music, getting the airbrush going, picking out colors, and then, you know, slapping on a pair of gloves and then just sitting there having a quiet drink, singing, whatever you want to do by yourself. And then just in painting is, is a nice, comfortable way, but you're still getting things done. But it's not like you're under a lot of stress to get it done. Yeah, that's fair. Did you used to do a bit of hobby before doing all the streaming and being too busy to not be able to do hobby? Yes, heaps. Yeah. So uh, Michael, Michael even actually painted a, a little bit as well. So Michael painted. He, he did. He's actually got a Stormcast army that he painted. So he's actually wants to add to that. So he might have to pick up a brush soon because he was <laughs> the one. He was the one that painted that. So he was actually quite good on an airbrush. Okay. He was, yeah, he he was able to be quite technical and be able to get some of those good blends and stuff. He's he's quite a um, finicky person, so he likes to watch a lot of YouTube and and learn and try and get it right. So, but yeah, between between us, um, you know, I I painted a lot of Nurgle stuff. Uh, painted some Beast Claws. Yeah, a lot Stormcast Iron Jaws. Yeah, I've got some cabinets behind me that I'm just trying to rem- remind myself. <laughs> Of yeah, there's too quite many a armies. Bit. Too many armies. Yeah, it's quite a bit. Quite a bit. A lot of terrain. I painted a lot of terrain. Okay. Is painting the part you enjoy the most about the hobby? It is at the moment. Yeah, I sort of go between, for some reason, assembling. Okay. And painting. I, I, I really enjoy putting models together as well. I find it's the most relaxing part out of all three of them because. You just you can sort of turn your brain off and just sort of scrape away at mold lines and glue things together, and you finish that first step of getting a model ready, and it's all assembled and built and off the sprue. I agree, I agree, and you you know sometimes the only thing that frustrates me sometimes is when you look at the instructions and then there's like this one tiny piece, and you're like, why, why is that separate? <laughs> like that should have been part of the leg, <laughs> but um. But it is quite it's quite easy to do at the moment for me. I don't know why I've sort of changed my mindset a little bit. I think over the years, and I never used to like assembling that much. I used to get frustrated at it quite quickly. But yeah, I'm on board with you there, Sam. <laughs> Did you assemble your terrain, or is it 3D printed, or what's happening there with that? I, it is 3D printed. Uh, it depends on how big the piece is. So we got a, a, a friend of ours in Toowoomba who's actually. Uh, printed uh, so much stuff for us and then we also have uh, another friend in Brisbane who's printed a fair bit for us as well so you know when they're big pieces they come you know you can only print maybe it might be a two-piece or a three-piece and and then you've got to put it together so uh, I've got I think one that just came out it's called Hagglethorn Hollow it's on printable scenery and I've, that's what's on my table at the moment. I've got a fair oh, bit of nice. that sort of village. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so cool. It's like a really old village. And it's got some buildings have got, you know, like the old tile roofs. And the other some of the other buildings have got like a thatched roof. So it's really cool to be able to play with the different colours, you know, going from like a straw roof to a brick roof or tile roof. And then the rest of it is uh, blocks. I um, think printable scenery is the best scenery to be able to print and like sort of it just works so well like it's really oh, good terrain 100 percent, yeah and compared to some of the other sites a little it is a little bit dearer but like the quality and the amount that you get like when you do a kickstarter and you might pay 300 dollars for the kickstarter but then they just keep adding on 
there'll be like these add-ons and then by the end of it and then you can print it however many times you like like you've got that for life and i think that's really cool because if anything gets broken it's not like you have to pay for it again you've already got the file Yep. And I think the the printable scenery with the premium price, I think it's more for, it's so printer friendly. I've noticed when I've printed other terrain that it's just more frustrating, but being able to throw the printable scenery stuff on there, it just comes out pretty much perfect each time because it's just, it's designed to not require supports. So it's Yeah. even better for people that are printing it out rather than people buying the terrain from other, like what you do there, your Yeah. printer would just love printing that terrain. Yeah, radio. See, that's good to know because I don't have a printer. So it's good to know that that, that stuff is easy for people who do print because I think it would be frustrating if it wasn't. Like you sort of just want to get a file and just hit print and then go. Yeah, you can pretty much do that. When when you've got the other files, you've got to tinker with all the supports and spend time making sure they all work and then they'll fail. But when you don't need supports, it just prints straight away. So it's really nice. Yeah, that is nice. And you can walk away and go do something else and you don't have to worry about it, hopefully. So, yeah, we've just got one. I wish I could. Yeah, I'll have to send through a photo or something like that. We've just got one tower and it is so big. I didn't realize how big it was. It's like this really cool old wizard tower. And it's. Is is it as big as the um the Gitz tower with the cabin on top? It looks like a similar size. It honestly Okay. looks like a similar size. I'll have to send it through to you. And Yes, you can have indeed. a squeeze Yep. because I, I either think it's as big or if not bigger. And Okay, and that's a big tower. That's a good what foot high, if not bigger. yes, yep. So I'll send you through. I got it here. I'll just send it through to you. And I don't And know I'll how um. how many pieces it is. I do not know. So let's go. <laughs> All and right, I'll post perfect. photos when we post up the episode so people can have a look at the scale of it all. Yeah, so he's Oh, got wow, a Stormcast it's huge. dude standing there in front of it. Yep. So that's massive. That would probably be twice the size or one and a half. Yeah, because yeah, the, the Gitz one's quite large. It's pretty much like a rock pillar with a, a cabin on top uh, as part of the... the Goblin range of printable scenery, and that's one of their bigger pieces. So to have that even larger than that, and it Yes. looks flawless as well. It does. I'm super excited to be able to get that. So the but now that you've mentioned the gloom uh like the gloom uh the git stuff, it's it's um pro probably one of my favorite sets that they do with the mushrooms and all the, the mushroom trees. Like that's Yes, pretty cool. I love them. They're my favorite. Yeah. The only thing that Max is a bit sad is um they can break pretty easily. We found that they break Yeah, every time we take them to a tournament, they'll we'll have a few that are broken. But we accepted that when we when we bought the packages. I was like, oh well, these will be. And same with the elven stuff. Do you, have you have you seen the elven stuff I, of ours? I'm not. I've seen your elven stuff, and I know all of it in general. But I, I've not printed any of them because I'm not an elf lover. Oh, you're not an elf lover. Oh, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I'm not really an order lover, so I can I can get on board with that. <laughs> But yeah, the trees and stuff are super cool. But they're very very Yeah, very, very it's hard this not spindly to break. spiny stuff because it's cylindrical, and that's how the printer prints it out in layers. It it just breaks off very easily. Very easily. And I tried to watch some clips of, you know, how you can try and paint stuff on. Like you can put PVA glue on it and lay that on there to try and strengthen it. But I probably put five layers on there. And, yeah, if people are going to be rough, then you can't help that, unfortunately. And But um, you sort of just paint the ends brown and it molds back in <laughs> because you never, I think, ever find the pieces. <laughs> yeah, I think the best one to use is Mod Podge.
um, oh. because it's so PVA glue reacts with water. So when you paint over multiple layers of PVA glue, it just reacts with itself again. Oh, Whereas okay. if you use Mod Podge, it's got a resin in it as well. So it never reactivates and also adds the strength of adding. I'm not sure what type of resin it is, but it adds a resin layer in there and adds oh, cool. strength to that. That's good to know. I'll have to write that down. What's have you got Mod any Podge? other tips and tricks for someone with a with a terrain fetish that you can hand out to the, uh, the listeners? Mm, if it was me starting off, I'd probably start off with buildings and villages like that style first, especially if you're painting. Uh, it just gets a bit disheartening when you go for the trees and if they're just breaking when you're, if you go for dry brushing and they can snap off, it's a bit disheartening. And the buildings look really cool too because you can often, when you do the buildings, there's all different versions of the same one. So you can get a, you can get like a ruined building and then you can get the one that's together and then there'll often be like a tavern. Um, there's really cool Normally with those types, uh, those sets as well, you can get like a fountain. And if you, you know, if you want to play around with some water, that's really cool. Some water effects. Yeah. The goblin one's really nice because it's got a bunch of different pools. So you can pour in your resin effects or do whatever you wanted to them to add a bit of more uniqueness to them. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it doesn't take much to fill a table now. Like you only need eight to 10 pieces. So I reckon... Yeah, buildings and pools and stuff like that to add a bit of scatter uh, is is awesome. Or if you don't, you know, if you if you're someone who can't actually, you don't have access to a 3D printer, then you can actually just go to Bunnings and you can buy some foam, like the styrofoam, uh, oh, the, like yellow the, stuff. Yes, yep. And you can you can just get like a wire cutter, or if you really want to be rough but textured, you could just break it, I suppose, and you could spray. Um, over that and just and dry brush that and, and make your own because I've done that in the past too you know like you can glue all different things together and make your own shapes and by the time it's painted you can't even tell so you know if if you don't have access to a 3D printer that's always something that you can do as well and what's the reason behind you guys having so much terrain I think it's because when we were we were going to do some tournaments I don't actually yeah we just we go in hard, Sam. That's all I can say. So we, when we commit <laughs> no, I would to something, never know that. <laughs> yeah, when we commit to something, we commit hard. And it's always good. You know, we want to be able to have that much terrain that when you go to a tournament, it's all one person's terrain. You know, it makes it really difficult when you go to a, a tournament and you've got five tables from this person and two tables from that one. And then people don't understand that when they're packing up. And something that we found in the past is, you know, they'll just shove everything in a box and, you heart you sometimes you get half of your stuff half of someone else's so if you can just be that one person that's happy enough to provide for a tournament it ticks a lot of boxes for especially for the organizer as well we found too because it's a stress that they don't need to make sure that this section is going to be this person's terrain this section will be someone else's in the end if it's just one group's or one person's terrain we all know okay we'll all pack this up it's all going to go to this one person one place and it just takes a lot of stress out of it. Mm -hmm. But you guys have become pretty much the hub for Queensland terrain for tournaments. Yeah, and we believe it or not, we've just bought, oh, <laughs> I don't know how many more tables. Okay. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe like 10 more. Yeah, yeah, just ridiculous. So, you know, probably by the end of the year, we'll be able to do CanCon. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like that's that's the sort of extremes that we're going to. So our poor, our poor van probably can't take much more. Uh, terrain being stuffed in the back of it. And how, how do you store all this terrain then? 
So we've actually got a 40-foot container. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Just casually. <laughs> yeah. And we're in the in the process of buying shelving from Bunnings too because uh, we've got that many armies as you know, like I wasn't, I wasn't joking when we commit to something. So we've, we rarely sell anything, uh, and we've got a lot of armies. So they're in, you know, those uh, boxes you can get from, you know, silly sollies, those clear ones. Yep. So our terrains and that, a lot of our terrains and that, and a lot of our armies, if they're not in display cabinets, they're on that or on a shelf. So the forty foot container is pretty much dedicated to streaming stuff, armies that we're not using, and terrain. just the whole hobby itself. Yeah, in one yeah, exactly. One hobby in one container. Yep. You just go down there, open the doors, load your load the van and the trailer up and on your way. Mm-hmm. Speaking about armies, what sort of entices you to play the game? What armies are you really interested in? Well, to be honest, now that we're a bit time poor, that's actually travelled for me it's travelled across into the game as well. I don't know why. I, I haven't come to the conclusion of why that is. I think it's you know Back when Marco and I were really competitive, our jobs back then were very just mundane. Like I was just a, a electrician on a on a maintenance crew. I didn't have extra responsibilities. I wasn't managing thirty people. I wasn't doing all that sort of stuff. So, I my thought process I could delve into into being competitive in something. Like I felt like I actually had. The capacity, my brain had the capacity to be able to do that. Uh, I had the patience to do that, I suppose, and I really enjoyed the simple way AOS interacted. Uh, now that now that we've gotten a lot busier, I feel like we've had to be a lot more efficient with our time, and for some reason that's sort of passed with me into the game of AOS as well. So I don't – it'll probably change, and I'll contradict myself and everyone will laugh, <laughs> and this is fair, but – you know, I've been playing, you know, Iron Jaws in the past and I played some OBR recently because they were new and I've never played them before. But they all seem very straightforward. You know, you've, they've sort of got one mission where Iron Jaws, they just want to hit people hard and that's it. They just want to get in, get the job done, and then that's it. Whether or not you do it well or you don't, it's going to be over semi-quickly. And I think and that's it, become the issue of the game in itself yeah. is... GHBs were coming out every six months and the game was getting more and more complex. So if you didn't have time to dedicate to learning and being able to understand all these new extra rules and stuff, it just becomes very overwhelming and then you just sort of fizzle out. Whereas I think if you're able to, to run those simple armies and have a game here or there, you can pick it up a little bit better. Yeah, 100%. And, I, you know, I think that's something that a lot of people have in common. You know, we played it because it was easy for our for our well to me it was easy for my brain to wrap around there wasn't it wasn't complex uh you sort of had one direction every you know the game was going in there and now that every battle token comes out they've got their own battle tactics they've got their own this they've got their own rules they've got their own tribes they've got all that sort of stuff you can uh you know battalions are no longer the same and um you've got special rules for you know gvs and gcs and all that sort of stuff is a lot for me to wrap my head around when it's something that's just for fun. In my opinion, like I don't, I'm not knocking the game whatsoever. I still enjoy it, and like you know, we've been to more events this year than what we have in the last three years. Um, but it's just I no longer have that passion to be competitive, and I found that the atmosphere when you're not in a competitive scene, 
you just have a lot more fun. You don't feel stressed that you've lost a game or that you didn't do something right throughout the game or uh, you don't, you know, you're not going to drink because you want to win the next game or you just don't feel any of that pressure. And I think that's a lot more comfortable for me at the moment as I just want to get around and I want to, if I get beaten in the second turn, oh, well, you know, that's cool. I'm not going to be angry and I'm going to be able to go around and just watch other people's games or go and catch up with someone else who has had the same thing happen and just chill out. Because you should have had, you went to one of Scott's recent tournaments as well, didn't you? Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. And how, so, how was that for a more casual experience? It was awesome. I really enjoyed that environment and um. <laughs> I, I think Nick was there too, and it was because we were like yes, yelling at each yep. other across across <laughs> the thing, and uh, it was it was such a good place to play, and there was so much room, and no one had, like, no one cared, like there was no, oh, I've you know, don't talk to me, I've got to, I've really got to think about what I'm doing next turn. Like everyone was so chilled out and very helpful, and it just had such a good atmosphere there, and I really liked it, and especially because even Scott himself was just getting ready to go across the worlds. Um, and I had to play him in the first game and I was playing uh, Pestilence actually and uh, I've never never played that list before and he was so accommodating, didn't care that I was sort of reading my rules and we had a lot of fun and even though his list was very good you know, it didn't it, he he played it in a way that it wasn't unfun for me, like he didn't just wipe me off the table so it was just he read the scene very well I think and everyone had a lot of a lot of fun yeah, Scott does really well at introducing people and then creating that casual environment where everyone's having fun. It was 100% awesome. Like, yeah, you're exactly right. I'd, I'd seen Mick wandering around. Was Mick playing as well or was he just sort of standing by the side? <laughs> no, he's, he was standing by the side. So he brought an army down, but then he's sort of the first person to go, hey, if you've got an uneven amount of people, then I'm cool to just to go around. And he, he does like to do that. And He's getting he's a bit, bit soft. He's getting a bit soft in his old age. Yeah. And he's pretty. He's a very big gatherer of information. So <laughs> he'll, he'll stand there and he might be talking shit to you, but then he's also, it's like he's getting intel of how the game works or how armies work. And he really likes to, you know, see what armies are doing or, you know, what their, what their tech is these days and, he goes away and thinks about it, or he might get excited and get the book, and then he'll read about it. And yeah, but he's he's going to play the game though. <laughs> he does have to play the game, yeah. So, uh, where did we? So even at um, No Holds Barred, we were streaming there, but I think he did play at a. He went to Mount Gravatt, and we played. I think he played there, but my memory's terrible. So, <laughs> all yeah. good. So you were saying earlier you, you both these were quite competitive. How did you get into the tournament scene? Uh so we it was our group actually. So we were I think BrizCon years ago, like Jesse was playing, Mark was playing, we went to, to Brisbane and we played and we would always we were so techy back then. So we would be reading the books and we'd be coming up with lists and uh, we'd be ringing people and talking about lists and what they thought. And it was just the whole, every single person that we were sort of talking to, we were all competitive. So it was like, we knew no different. So we were, we were there to do really well. Uh, we were, we were on the, it was like we were on the pulse. So we were reading what other people's lists were doing all the time. Uh, we would enjoy, you know, we would watch the list review shows and see what was good and sort of, you know, aim for that sort of thing. We always, always, find little relationships that characters had with a unit 
Like, and we would just get so excited about those little things and we would play that in our list and people wouldn't know <clears throat> about that, you know, and we would just bounce ideas off each other all the time. So you, you were quite competitive and really in touch with the whole pulse of the game back then. Oh, yes. We were just nuts like for it. And because because every single person that was in our group was the same, that's all that, that we consisted of. Okay. And, and how would you say you're, you would sort of play the game? Were you quite an aggressive sort of player back then or were you more like a, a techie sort of um, controlling sort of player? What was your sort of play style back then? I, To be honest, it was a little bit of both. I'm, I get a bit impatient. So techie is, is not how I play the whole game. But if, if there was, you know, a relationship that I knew that my character had with a unit, I would use it. I would use that to my advantage, but I would generally like to push forward and get involved, you know, with their army if I could. Uh, sometimes it made me sad that I couldn't do that, Sam. I had to, sometimes <laughs> I had to pull back and I was like, you know what, it's actually the smarter idea to hold on to this objective because I know I'll have it this round and it'll put me points ahead. Now I'm like, you know what, screw this. I'm just going to go forward. Who cares? You know, Hence why gonna... the iron jaws and beast claws and everything else. Yes, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, back then I was a bit of a little bit of both, but I had a lot more control over myself. Okay. Did you play much competitiveness in fantasy, or is it all mainly Age of Sigma? All Age of Sigma, uh, fantasy, because I didn't really have a passion for it, and it annoyed me that you had to guess distances, and you know, and you know, I remember high elves just being so overpowered back then. I was just there's nothing just, new though. <laughs> oh, no, you're right. I was just like, this is bullshit. Like, you felt like you could do nothing, honestly. Like they would just come on, they'd have great weapons and they were supposed to fight last because they were slow or whatever the rule was back then and they had some special ability that that didn't affect them and they could just go straight in and then hit you with their great weapons and then you'd just be this pile of dust. And I was like, yay. <laughs> There's nothing new with all the elves. No, when a new isn't... elf book comes out, it's either Marathi and the snake ladies or it's Teclas and his high elves and sometimes, depending on how good the book is, the Ardeneth. There's just... Always yep. elves at the top. Always elves. Always something order. There's always something yep. order. Like, I thought, you know, Lumineth had their run in the sun there for a little while. I don't know how many people play those guys, to be honest, because those those characters, or sorry, those units with the long spears would just frustrate me so much to try <laughs> yep. and transport. I don't oh, know. Yes. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. But um, I'm not no. an order fan myself. That's why I've got destruction, death, and a side destruction chaos with the Skaven. I reckon they're more. Yeah, that. well. That's, I'm not an order fan. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not really an order fan too. And now that I've said that, I've got to stick by it because sometimes <laughs> there's like really cool units coming out. Like some of this new Seraphon oh, stuff is so yep. cool, super cool. And I'm like, no, no, I can't. My thing is the new um, City of the Sigma models. They look amazing. Oh, they do. Yeah, that they new have that character. gritty sort of more lived-in feel than the current range because obviously that was all fantasy. Whereas these guys just have that depth to them. They do have that depth to them, but it was funny because like Michael pointed out how small the guy is on the horse the other day. Yeah, yeah he's tiny. I, yeah, I didn't even notice that. I'm like, oh, I was like, yeah, he's really cool. And then Michael's like, look how small he is sitting on that. I'm like, yeah, that's a bit strange. But um, no, they are. They are really nice. But again, my, my, actually, that was one of Michael's first armies back in the day. Oh, okay. Yep. So I feel like he's going to go absolutely nuts and buy so <laughs> and much. And buy it and give it all to Gabe. Yeah, pretty much. Look out, incoming. 
escape and <laughs> yeah. coming probably. He's going to throw that Lumineth army to the side and back onto the cities again. Yeah, well, uh, the Lumineth army is looking amazing. Yes. But I'll have a slight I'll have a slight dig at Gabe here. So by the time he finishes panning it, Michael probably would have moved on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Gammy was saying that the whole time. I just listened to the episode today. Oh. And Gammy was just like, uh, Mick's just going to put it on the shelf anyway and play with something else. Yeah. He does. <laughs> he does do that. He's like he can't quite make up his mind of what's he, what he wants to play too. You should see him when he tries to make lists for a tournament. Oh, but but he's not even playing in the tournament anyway, so why does it matter? I know. I say that to him too. I'm like, we're sitting here for hours thinking of these lists, Michael, and stuff that's cool, and then you probably won't play anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so what is taking your attention with armies at the moment? Well, I do like Skaven at the moment. Okay. So good started- choice. I have read that book, but it did. I actually went for a drive somewhere. I can't remember where it was with Michael. I think it was on the way to the Burley, one of the Burley brawls, actually. And we were listening to uh, what's his name? Two plus Doug. Oh yes, yep. And he has like the twenty-minute sort of uh, YouTube. Yeah, the law videos. Yeah, the law videos, and yep. we were listening to Skaven. Mm-hmm. And man, it just it just piqued my interest with how. Skaven are just every single one of them thinks that they're the chosen one. Like it just is hilarious. And yeah, I um, used to listen to all his videos when I was painting all my armies up. It, they're so good. They're so good. I'm actually yeah, a bit sad I haven't listened to him for a while. But yeah, I loved all of his videos and how he broke it down and it was just a nice condensed you know, version of each each one of them and, and it was quite yeah, I really enjoyed those and then it sort of piqued my interest. So I started reading the book. And there's just so many different things that you can do. Yep. And what, um, what sort of takes your interest in the book then? I do like pestilence a lot because I, I was like original Nurgle. Like Nurgle was one of my original things. So I do like pestilence. Uh, I just got to wrap my head around how to play them properly because they're sort of like a one-hit wonder. And um, they can do a lot of damage, but you just got to be able to use them properly. So... You've picked also the range that probably is the oldest models and the hardest to get models, being like the sensor bearers and mm. all the the whatever the um, plague furnace and all that sort of stuff. It's not an easy part of the book to collect. It isn't. It isn't. But yeah, believe me when I say I've got a shitload of it. <laughs> I have so you're a shitload. excited about the new warband that's coming out then? Oh, yes. That looks I really am. good. How cool do they look? Yeah, super excited about that. So I'll be getting at least one of those. Uh, I did recently make a purchase. I got a new Nurgle army recently. Oh, did you? Mm. I wonder who owned that Nurgle army. Yeah, I don't know. But they're, you know, I could probably describe they're of a purple and whitish colour, <laughs> if anyone <laughs> else can understand where I'm going with that. So that's, you know, when you get something new and shiny, you sort of want to play it. And... um you know, so I'm sort of torn between the rats and these guys now. Well, you've got Nurgle, so you can throw in some of the the plague monks or whatever else in with your Nurgle then. I yeah, I'm gonna have to try and make some lists, I think, Sam, and see what and, I can go. And make with. some good use of Gabe's army. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, if people weren't aware, we're hinting at um, Gemma bought Gabe's army. <laughs> yeah. So I had to clean out the cabinet. They're all pretty. They've taken up four shelves. Wow. Yeah. Of, of of the cabinet. So and I've given him a little list of um extra Nurgle stuff that I would love to get painted <laughs> as well. So Paul Gabe has got that copying that from me at the moment too. So I'm not in any hurry though, so he can take a while, but I'll have to get some trees 
Uh, and I want some, yeah, some more beasts because the beasts are pretty cool these days too. Mm. Are you going to lean into more of the Black Kings or maybe like the, the flies or where do you want to lean with the new um, uh, Nurgle book? I've always been a mortal Nurgle okay. player. Like the majority of my list have always been Black Kings. Uh, so I didn't really have anything else painted of my own army before beforehand. Like I didn't have any Nurglings. I didn't have any beasts. I think I only had three plague drones that were painted as well. So that made me a bit sad because I couldn't really delve into the demon side of it. I didn't have any of the, like hardly any of the characters like your Sloppity and all that. I didn't have any of those guys painted. So I sort of forced myself if I was going to play them, it was only going to be the mortal ones. Uh, now that I've got Gabe's old um, Nurgle army, I'm probably the he has got. I got. I can't even count how many Nurglings. He's That's, the more demon chaos, wasn't he? Yeah, he does. There's a oh yeah, there is uh, probably about thirty Black Kings painted, I think, or probably more. But there is a lot. There's probably sixty bloody plague bearers by the looks of that. I haven't even counted them, Sam. I just put them. In, <laughs> just one. Give in me the that cabinet. game. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, the other thing that I'm pretty excited about though is he has got yeah. Uh, Morbidix and oh, he's got those, all the uh, um, what, what's the brothers? group name? Yeah, there's a group name for it, isn't yeah, there? the Magoth, Magoth, Lords. Magoth, yeah, that's yeah. the one, yep, yep. So he's got all them painted. Oh, and nice, I've, yeah. I've never had all three of those guys. Well, I mean, they've never been good, have they? No, well, you're right, until now, been. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is true. They have never been good, so I might have to uh make a list with those guys, but the play style is a little bit different to what I was used to, so I'm gonna have to change my ways there a little bit and so you've really been enjoying picking up a new army and sort of have you played a game with it yet not with the nurgle no okay do you, uh, do you enjoy that aspect of the hobby learning and playing a new army i do i do because it's like oh that was a shit decision to put that in my list and i i don't know why i like that sort of thing but i'm always like oh he didn't work out like i thought he was going to or his rules not really that good or let's let's look at what else or how did i not succeed with that rule is it me or is it just not my play style and just going back and reading what other characters or units can do yeah i do enjoy that yeah because i hate it <laughs> i hate yeah. learning new armies because i feel I want to know everything that I can about the army and I feel not awkward, but it just doesn't feel right when I'm missing the beat. Like I recently played a new board game with some mates, The Root, um, yep. and I hated the first two games. Like I enjoyed playing the game with friends and stuff like that, but I hated the learning the game and I'm like, I don't know where some of the good things to do are I don't know like the best way to play this sort of leader and that really frustrated me and I find that as a person I don't enjoy the learning experience of new games <laughs> yeah yeah no that's fair I can definitely see I sort of does get a bit frustrating now if it doesn't work the way that you thought it does or mm -hmm. you know you didn't Sometimes even just not winning a lot of the games, it gets a bit frustrating too. Like if you were a competitive player, I could understand that that would get frustrating to some people. Uh, or you really want a character to be awesome and they're not. Yes. Yep. And then you, you just want to include them in your list all the time because you either think that they're they're just a cool looking character and they just are shit. Yeah, that's your little um, side pick where you always want to throw this little special unit in all the time even though it's shit you want to have it in your army because you you're... Do. Like yep. the way it plays, or you like the way it looks, or you just like the units itself. Yeah, yeah, that's a suck. I'm a sucker for that. 
uh, and then I'll just I'm pretty spiteful, so I'll just keep going and going and going. Have and, you got uh, something like that you want to have for your Nurgle or for your Skaven? Uh, so the, the Vermin Lord Corruptor in my Skaven list, I I do really like him as a as a character. When I read his war, I like looking like his actual the way he's you know stands and mounted and stuff like that. I really think that he's really cool. And I actually, when I painted that model, I put my heart and soul into that model. Like I, re- it was. I don't know what what happened that night, Sam. But you know, sometimes when you <laughs> you can have those those moments where even it's like every day, like you might have a part of the day that you're in your job, right? Say that you just you've your mind is right, you've you can understand everything that you need to do for the day and you just you just hit it and you're like a ten out of ten. Like you feel like you've succeeded for the day. Everything came together and you you had no problems. And then yes, I definitely that was, those. Yeah, and then most of the time it's not. It's like seventy five percent. But <laughs> but that was like me with the Vermin Lord. So when I painted him, I actually bought a shitload of Vallejo paints. Okay. And I was meddling with those guys, and I got really into skin. I got into into skin and blending, and trying to do your high points and and your low points, and using washes and creases and all that sort of stuff. And I had so much fun painting him. I really liked the way that he turned out, and um, I just I just never have any luck with him on the table, though. Ah, oh, it's frustrating. The model yeah. that came out perfectly how you wanted it to in your mind's eye when you painted it. And then it just doesn't work because I think I've had a few of them where either the book's changed or my list has completely changed where you've taken out this model. It's like, oh, but I painted it so nicely and I wanted it in my army all the time. Yeah, that's exactly what that is because you're like, shit, I want to show him off because I feel like I've done a fantastic job of painting him. And, you, you know, you had this little proud moment and even some of the, you know, all that emotion connected of being proud of yourself painting that is attached to it. So it's just a bit disheartening when you put him on the table and then it's like, turn one and he gets shot off yeah and you're like now he's on the shelf forever yeah (laughs) and you get to that point where you're like you know what buddy you can just stay there (laughs) but i like the the look of you and that's it (laughs) yeah that's pretty much it yeah you look nice but you're not anything else i'm sorry but uh i did we did have him kitted up in the list that he could do some damage so he had i remember that build where you could add the 10 was it the 10 attacks or something like that yeah yeah and he had that sword Mm, oh, that's right. Yes, yeah, yeah. And sixes did, you know, sixes to wound did something ridiculous, or and then his one war scroll sixes to hit or something did something else. And so, you know, when you're reading all that stuff, you're getting excited because every single part of that profile, something was happening. Yeah, he's a big slot machine. That one. Yeah, and then when it actually came to action, <laughs> it uh, wasn't quite fulfilling. So, I remember yeah. a lot of people. I think threw him in their Legion of the First Prince list with that sword, hoping yes. that he would just blow shit up but just didn't do anything. No, and I'm glad that just didn't happen to me then because I was like, have I just put him in the most silly spot <laughs> on the table where he's just a target? Yeah. You know, when you because you're reading out your list to your opponent and you're going through and they're like, ugh, i got to get rid of that guy. And every now and then, though, it's like the little boy cries wolf, though, because he'll do that awesome amount of damage and then that little bit of just trickery will come back into it and you're like shit yeah he did what i wanted him to he's now <laughs> yeah. back in my list <laughs> <laughs> you just sort of got to bait him in like treat him as this almighty piece that they go for and then you've got to distract him with the rest of your army there 
Yeah, and unfortunately, when you're playing Skaven, as you would know, there's not anything else really that can sustain a hit. So it's no. not like you can hide him behind something and then wait for him to pounce unless you're unless you're ready to sacrifice something, you know, because everything else sort of just has a five or a six up save. Well, especially so, in the in the uh, pestilence side. Yes, there's and no then in this addition, yeah, you know, there's so many negs to this and pluses and just the damage output that can be done by just generic units these days, which is is crazy. Yeah, well, even look at the sensor bearers. The sensor bearers just destroy stuff now, whereas they oh, never they used do. to do anything. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. You just you you are sacrificing units. I found though. Which is something that I gotta I gotta train myself into how to play with because they can if you put them into the right unit and in the right timing you can blow half your opponent's army away. Yeah, well that's why we've got death frenzy. <laughs> yeah, you can sacrifice true. them and they're good to go. And then they're good to go and then they just attack when they die. Yeah, and because uh, I think plague plague monks can do that too when they die you roll a dice and on a six they do a mortal wound back. I believe so. Yes, if if they've got the banner there or something. So, but that's the other thing too is you got to be all over your rules with those guys because you know plague monks and between plague monks and sensor bearers the amount of little knickknacks I've got if you've got this in the unit it can do this and if you've got this book it can do this once per turn and if you roll a six on this it you have ren one and you're like oh god yeah they're they're definitely a book that's got a lot of small minutia that when piled together really makes it shine but if you forget any part of those little bits. And it just slowly falls apart and you're like, oh, I missed this bit, missed this bit, missed this bit. Oh, and that could have won me the fight over here and then could have done something different over there and it just falls apart really quickly. It does, yeah, it 100%. And, you know, I'm just not sure if that's my play style after playing that sort of thing because as much as I love them, I just don't know if I want to be that tactical. You like sound a... like you need four Doom Wheels in your life. <laughs> I do like that war scroll. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you listen to the episode with Karen, he goes over how to really ramp up a doom wheel and it just does like 4D3 mortal wounds before it's even forward and then it fights twice and it goes 48 inches across the board. Yeah. And how good is it though? Is like if you want to be greedy, you can like power up. Yes. There, yep. There's consequences. I think that's hilarious when it comes to Skaven because it suits them down to a T when you listen to some of the lore. Yes. Yep crazy scientists with their crazy experiments and sometimes it pays off and other times it doesn't it doesn't and they don't care because you know there's a trillion of them or trillions upon trillions of them so they can just you know someone else is gonna either take over or they can just go get another unit to do the their willing mm -hmm. did you ever play any of the total war games with them uh i think yes is this on xbox like uh, I think it's on Xbox. On the consoles? It's it's well, pretty much where you play Age of Sigma or Fantasy, but it's in a computer game form. I think we, Michael and I, the only sort of, I think we played Vermintide. Oh, okay, back, yeah. But that, that's about it. I haven't played anything else, I don't think. Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, those, those games really lean into it a lot. Yeah, and I was never, now that you're talking about playing even AOS, I was never really a person that played the simulator you know went through oh COVID. yes tts yep yeah yep i never delved mm -hmm. into that at all actually yeah then you guys disappeared for two years didn't you pretty much yeah pretty much yeah uh it was a long two years oh yes yeah especially in Toowoomba because it's quite a bit away from the main hub of people playing games as well it is yeah the, the scene in Toowoomba is is starting to come back a bit now that every everything's 
well, sort of now that everyone everyone's sort of coming back, but you know, it's not as is not as um, busy as like your Brisbane scenes or you got even your coast and stuff like that. I think those boys down there play frequently now. Yeah, they do play pretty much like what Scott does anyway, plays five times a week. Yeah. The joys of um, working at a hobby shop. Exactly. Wouldn't that be a dream? Yeah. <laughs> what is your scene like in Toowoomba at the moment? Uh, it's It's starting to sort of come back now. So there's Gary and Henry who apparently are trying to do some games throughout the week at the shop up there. Uh, but before that, there was pretty much not much happening, hey? Like, there wasn't a lot going on. And, I, you know, now that Henry's done the event there, and I think Gary is looking at holding an event uh, coming up there as well, I'm hoping that piques a lot of people's interest up there. I hope they can get some beginners there, and I hope they get some you know, people who want to maybe do a day a week there uh, would be awesome. Uh, it used to be like that. You know, Michael and I used to go up there, you know, we'd be there th- two, three times a week and we'd be either playing Underworlds or AOS. There was at Battle Stations, was it? Yeah, at Battle Stations. So I know that they do a lot of 40K. Uh, I think there's some Lord of the Rings. There's uh, Underworlds is a little bit there as well. They do delve. Magic's quite big up there too. And they do delve a lot into those platforms, but AOS sort of not as much. Yeah, okay. So I know the stores like got enough room, but can see it, it is a little bit limiting in the size, especially if you've got other systems trying to play or Magic's trying to play and whatever else. Yeah, so because Magic is so popular up there, you could have you know thirty, forty people up there, and you know AK also accommodates uh, you know your Dungeons and Dragons type. So he's actually got like a dedicated area up there for those guys now. Oh, that's and it's cool. Pretty yep. cool. Yeah, it's really cool too. So um, I'm hoping. Now that people are, you know, getting out of the COVID coma, that um, we can start seeing the game a bit more. Mm-hmm. Has it always been quite competitive? Was that more just the early stages with failed charge and that? No, it was always quite competitive. Hey, because you know, Josh, uh, Gary, he was he's always been quite competitive. Henry's competitive, and then Michael and I were competitive. And Jesse, uh, back when he played, he was quite he was quite competitive too with his Stormcast. So, you know, that's that's easily half a dozen people there uh, that would be competitive and we would always be going to tournaments and, and playing each other at either battle stations or someone's house just to see how the list worked or what we needed to tweak and trying things. And, yeah, we were forever doing that sort of stuff. That's fair enough. And then just sort of maybe the last, obviously since COVID, it's maybe casualed out a little bit or not really had a massive scene there, which doesn't help. Pretty much, no. And, you know, some people... It's like friendships in schools and stuff. You know, you might have a best mate in, in primary school and then you go to high school and you sort of drift apart a little bit and then you might become, you know, your friendship might get closer again by the end of high school. It, that's sort of happened with a few people up there as well. So COVID did have a lot to do with it, as well, I think. You know, you weren't allowed to go anywhere and, and there was no tournaments and you sort of lost interest and then they'd, they'd start playing games on the computer or PlayStation or Xbox and that sort of took over their gaming uh, you know, fire that they had. So then AOS got pushed to the side and then you didn't have to go anywhere to do anything. Like you could buy your groceries online. You know, some people worked from home so they didn't even have to leave their house. So that got comfortable for them. Yeah, and then fair. by the yep. Yeah, and then by the time that AOS sort of put people going back to tournaments, they were so engrossed still in, in 
playing WoW or uh, Magic or something like that, and they were really Or Diablo enjoying it. Four. Yeah, well, I, I've started playing that, so that's also dangerous. <laughs> That's why I said it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they've just, they're having so much fun with that now that they're not really interested in coming back to AOS yet. Or, you know, people, we only have so much money too, you know, when you're, when you're buying AOS stuff, it can get quite expensive or magic cards can be quite expensive. So you can understand that people sort of have to delegate. And especially with the release rate currently, like it's been what two armies or two books every one or two months. And then people are like, oh, well, that's my army. So you want to buy that book? And then they're like, well, I already played this army as well. So you buy another one. And then there's four or five books plus the GHB plus all the new models you need to buy because everyone has that, oh, I need that new model sort of syndrome. I know people Yeah. can go, oh, just don't spend the money if you don't have it or whatever else. But you sort of feel not obligated, but you really feel enticed to spend the money on the new models because that's the good stuff. And everyone You wants do. to have the good stuff in their army. So then there's more money gone and people can't afford that. Whereas if you play a video game, it's like one expenditure. Unless Yeah. you're like really heavy into the micro transactions, you're pretty much doing that one bought cost. Yeah. That's exactly right. And I think that's why 3D printing is becoming such a prevalent thing now because it costs hardly, you know, compared to what you're paying for some Sense. of the, G <laughs> yeah, exactly. Compared to some of the models in the GW stuff you, and not everyone plays at GW shops. So if you, you know, as long as your models look similar, you, you, you know, these days people are accepting, accepting all that. So that's, Especially here um, in Australia when they cost so much as well. Yes, that's right. That's that was a bit of a shock. It was a bit, bit sad to be honest. And then all the Forge World stuff that changed, and you know that was a bit sad too. That ha hardly any of that stuff because I just got the Termicans Horde painted up as well, Oh, and that then would have been lovely to have on the board. oh, I played it once and then it was not. Yeah, they were forgotten Yeah. about sort of thing. I was like, That's right. oh. You can console game and you can both console each other with his chaos dwarves and your atomic and horde. Yes, well, I can because Gabe was the one that actually painted it. So he's he's just been doubled doubled over there. He's not only did he put all the time and effort to paint such a beautiful army, and he did such a good job. Now we can't even have it on the table. He <laughs> never gets to see it. Oh, that's right. You can just use them in the old world. I'm sure Gabe will be all over that. Yeah, well, I'd be interested to see what the rules are going to be like for that. I haven't really read too much. I'm a bit scared. Does it does it interest you at all? I know you weren't didn't have the nostalgia of it all, but what about playing some of your older armies in there? I do have a lot of Tomb Kings. Well, there you go. So I might have to get them out just to delve into it, but I just don't know. I'm a bit scared, Sam. Like if it's going to be like the old fantasy where you got to guess all that sort of stuff, I'm just not sure whether I'm going to really enjoy that. But now you've got the the knowledge of being a tradie where your measurements are a lot more accurate. One would hope. Uh, Sparkies aren't renowned for, No, uh, they're not, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. So I do definitely want to give it a go because I do, yeah, the Tomb Kings are so cool. Like those models were always, and there's something that has always remained cool too Yes, for, for a yep. lot of people. Yeah, they're definitely they're the unique army that people when you just think of skeletons, you think of tomb kings. You do, yeah. So I'll have to get them out. I might have to do some painting too, actually, because I think I've just bought all these random colored ones from all different places. So I might have to, I might have to just try and paint something so they all look the same. You got too many projects now. You've got no time and too many projects. Yeah, that is true. So I'm gonna have to find someone who's gonna be able to Yeah, paint some yeah, tomb yeah. kings. We all we all know someone named Gabe. I'm sure he's Yeah, willing I was to gonna paint say some more models. I might send him a message. I'm like, what are you Yeah, doing, Gabe? <laughs> Who cares I'm sure about he that wouldn't. order stuff? Puh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Screw of mixed stuff. <laughs>
<laughs> paid some yeah. fun Tomb Kings. I heard you've paid too, painted too many Lumineth. Yeah, need I was some, like, do you need some skeletons in your life? Do you need something to break up the monotony of order? Yes, yeah, yeah. That high crispness that is Lumineth to paint up some crudgy old skeletons. Yes, yeah, that would be perfect. I might just have to send him a lighter or something just to burn some of Michael's Lumineth. <laughs> it's too much of that stuff. Well, well, speaking of Gabe, I threw in a bunch of, um, I threw in a, a, a tweet earlier on to ask for some questions. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and Gabe replied, hence where I knew about Diablo 4. Um, <laughs> so Gabe wanted to know, have you finished Diablo 4 yet? I haven't, and it's killing me. So are you towards end game then? Uh, I'm going to have to disappoint everyone here. So I've basically done the first bit where you make it to the first city because I have every intention that Michael's going to start playing it and we can play it together. Okay. So that's what I'm hoping for, but he hasn't turned it on yet. I've even installed (laughs) it for him on his PlayStation 5, but he hasn't played it yet. I went th- I went through all the characters and what they can do just so he had try and spark some interest but um, unfortunately he hasn't um picked disappointed up- in you Mick yeah so I've been I've just given up there so I might have to just play with someone else whoever's got it online let me know and we will have to catch up yeah oh not me I haven't got double four yet <laughs> oh you have to go get it I'll have to have a look yeah people tons of people have been telling me to get it so I'll have to have a look at it so far it's really good I'm a necromancer so it's it's pretty cool. I did smash a lot of Diablo 3 when that first came out, and that was pretty fun. That was a lot of fun. Um, Gabe also wants to know, uh, what's next for the Failed Charge Media Empire? <laughs> uh, streaming. I, uh, To be honest, Sam, I really, I really want to be able to learn how to use OBS and the Wondershare, like the Filmora, the video editing program that I have. Uh, it's really conflicting for me because I don't have a lot of patience. So <laughs> I sort of want to eat my cake. Uh, yeah, have my cake and eat it too. Is that the correct saying? So I don't have a lot of patience, but I want to know how to use it. Mm-hmm. So, so your, yeah. your OBS setup was really well when we played with it for the stream. Is that all finalized now or have you got a ton more to do on that? No, that's pretty much the foundation. So that's good. I just, I'm scared that it's going to get boring because I, I want to do different overlays as in colors. So I think I think we've got a really cool uh, order of things on there, like where people's names are, where the verses is, and you know that's that's easy to sort of mix up if we want to. But I just don't want to have the same color overlay all the time. So I want to mix that up a little bit. So whether or not I just have the four colors and then just go through rotate through the four, or whether people have got different ideas, because I get a bit stagnant with my ideas too. Like I can be pretty literal with going, oh, there's four colors, so that's all I've got. And then that's all I'll use. Whereas I'm not very adventurous. Like I don't know how to expand that. So I'm always willing, if anyone's out there to, you know, show me some tricks, uh, especially with the, the editing of, with Filmora. Um, yeah, that's, that's a bit, that's a whole new world to me because you can do transitions and there's effects you can do. Uh, yeah, it's crazy what you can do in there. So I'm, I'm very much at the beginning stages of learning how to use that. So, it's the joy of doing things solo. You haven't got someone to bounce ideas off of. Yes. Yep. So it's me just sitting here for hours. I think it took me five hours to make the <laughs> intro video the other day because I had no idea what I was doing and I was trying to watch YouTube and learn how to put transitions in. And um, 
I'm quite picky too because green's sort of our color. So I was trying to look up green flames and and magic looking stuff to to swirl around on the screen. And then you find the perfect one, and then you got to pay for it. And <laughs> yep. yeah, so well, at least you you're sort of getting there with it all. I'm keen to I'm see getting... the final result. Yeah, yeah. So I started actually doing the first game for Masters this afternoon before I had to go to Toowoomba. Uh, so I've just got to edit that a little bit and then I can I can actually create that first video and then okay. I can put that up on YouTube. All right. And in your YouTube channel, is it just Failed Charge? Yeah, the Failed Charge. is, okay. um, And it's just got our normal emblem with the shield mm-hmm. on it. So that has all of our videos on it too from the original days as well. So our really old battle reports. <laughs> you can watch all the cringy stuff. Yes. Yeah. And then when you re- – I don't even want to watch it, hey, because I'm like, oh, God, what is that, <laughs> what is that like? Uh, that's pretty much – I, you know, like I said earlier, I want to be able to get my head around that, make it a little bit more fluent, um, maybe a little bit more professional looking, and then just delve into what other technology that we can use to be able to get you guys the most, if you're watching the stream, try and provide you with the, the most accurate information. Easy way to transfer information was something that we struggled with too because you know how you got a table boss and then just trying to sort out what the best way for them to communicate to the commentators is uh we we you know the feedback on having the earpieces wasn't amazing because if you're having someone talk to you like the commentator talk to you uh, who's sitting next to you it's it's hard if you have the earpiece talking to you at the same time uh so we sort of trialed iPads uh, or just tablets at um, No Holds Barred with a Discord chat. Okay. So mm-hmm. it, we, it would pop up on the screen. So people, you didn't have to just try and remember what someone said to you in your ear. You could scroll back into the Discord chat. And then it didn't, it was a lot more relaxing for people because they weren't under that pressure of trying to just relay straight away or write it down themselves. They could just scroll back through the chat and then bring it up when they were ready to. But easier than running paper around everywhere as well. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so that might be something that we'll we'll have to buy a couple more just cheaper tablets to do that. And then I think we need to create a few more accounts because we only had two. So it was like Carwin was chatting on five different tablets sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that made it hard because that that one account was relaying information from 40 tables. Yeah. So when you when we were doing the two tables of streaming, it was hard to differentiate between, hang on a second, that doesn't make sense with what's happening with what's on the stream uh, table. That makes oh, sense. Actually, okay. Yeah, that yeah, exactly. So just try we might have to just do different accounts there. Or if people have you know got different ways or just let us know. But it was I think we were a lot better off having the chat as a communicating as communicating between the table bosses and roaming people. Discord seems quite the easy way because then you can also communicate while you're there, you don't have to call someone over to say something to them. You can just sort of chat with them as yeah. you're going. And both of these have got it active on the screen, so it makes it easy to look at and read yeah. and update and stuff like that. So much better. And the only thing I would like to try and do is people don't like typing. So when you have a tablet and then you're trying to quickly type what's happening, that can take up, take up time as well. So I've got to just work out a way if there's a, a voice uh, app or something like that where I can just talk and it, it texts what I'm talking oh, as a message. Oh, yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah, like a push to talk sort of thing or something like that just so it, it happens a lot quicker. 
Yes, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Or if people, because I, you know, I get slack and I will not spell correctly or I'll try and abbreviate things and then I don't realise that people on the other end might not understand what I'm trying to say. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Don't worry, I do the same. I, I press enter before I've even checked it to edit and then I'm yep. like, oh, <laughs> there's like yeah. five words in here that make no sense. Let me resend <laughs> another message. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly that. So, and uh, yeah, I don't know what what will happen there. I haven't done any research with that, but those Gabe for Gabe's question, that's probably some of the things that we're looking at at doing. And then his final question: How many Iron Jaws armies are too many? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a that's a good point. So yeah, we've got like five armies of Iron Jaws. So it's pretty nice. That's probably going to be something that you'll see that'll be up for sale. Actually, is that makes sense. I mean, you don't need five Iron Jaws armies. Uh, no, no, we don't. And I, I will actually be selling. I've taken photos of my old Nurgle army, so that's going to go up for sale too because I've got the most pretty Nurgle <laughs> army that you can see. When you've now. already got a Nurgle army, but you buy a new one. Yes. And trust me, the new one looks a lot better than the old one. I bet it does. <laughs> yeah. So that'll go up for sale too. I'm just trying to sort out what to sell with it because I've got Marauders and all that sort of stuff that I've played with them that I don't really need. No, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, we did have a question from Joel Graham. Um, yep. Mick's a quite a popular figure. Uh, so he wants to know, <laughs> what's your plans after Mick's early grave? <laughs> well, I don't know. I... Uh... I don't really have much to say. I'm a bit <laughs> lost for words on that one because that is true. Um, mm, probably just be a lonely old woman. <laughs> lonely I might not old, even be old. Just a, lonely. A Warhammer widow. Yeah, Warhammer widow. I might just have to keep playing in, in the memory if that ever happens. <laughs> I'm sure uh, I'll be surrounded by many loving people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then I believe I'll, I put up some questions for Mick, but some of them apply to you as well. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to find someone ask, what happened to Dennis? Where'd Dennis go? Oh, it was um, uh, it was by Pat Nevin. He wants to know what happened to Dennis. He misses him. Well, he probably misses you too, Pat. And if you go online and play some WoW or something like that, or do, I think, is there an online Dungeons and Dragons too? Uh, there would be for sure. Yeah. So he's been delving hard into that. So he's sort of he's hasn't completely lost interest of AOS at the moment, but he was one of those he was one of the guys that just went straight into computer gaming when COVID was at its worst sort of thing, and uh, he's doing really well with that at the moment. So he's always up for a chat about AOS, though. You'll have to forgive his ignorance because he doesn't know all the rules, but he's always up for a chat with us still. We yeah we do catch up with him every now and then and run him through all the new stuff, and he's he's definitely keen. What what do you think will bring Dennis back? Uh probably just Pat. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we might have to get Pat up here. Yeah. Oh, he was up here for for the, the masters. He was, but he he didn't stay long enough. So no, he didn't. He, he'll have to come up again, and we'll have to have like a Pat Dennis reunion. Yeah. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take some photos. Yeah. Uh, and your good mate Pat, he wants to know why Mick is such a shit. Well, that's I haven't figured that out yet, Pat. You think I would after seventeen years? Yeah, yeah, yeah you'd think so. Oh, yeah, you would. But I'm just a sucker for punishment, by the sounds of it. <laughs> I think he just puts on that act for you, Pat. And hopefully, we can. Uh, I tried to get Mick on the podcast last week, but uh, he's being a terrible human being and doesn't mm-hmm. reply to me like he doesn't reply to Gemma. Um, that's correct. So that's we're his... equal on that point there. Yeah. So you 
the listeners will be hopefully at some point be able to learn all about this mythical Mick. <laughs> yeah, he's invisible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's been he's been working a lot uh, lately. He has he has been he's like a serial reader. So he'll read all of their army books and come up with cool things and lists. And then he can't decide on what it what he wants to play. So then he'll read something else, and then he might listen to something, and then that'll spark his interest in that. So then he'll read on that. But he hasn't really come to a conclusion of what he is playing. But I feel like the New Cities is going to be quite special to him because that was, you know, his first army. Well, hopefully we'll see him playing actual games and not just Theory Hammer. Well, hopefully. I would really like that too. So, you know, <laughs> we'll see if we can get some time and I'll have to just try and force him to play some games, I think. Even if I have to play him myself here at home. Mm-hmm. Oh no! The how devastating to play at your own house, play your own partner. <laughs> yeah, you went around for the old tournaments where we've had to play play each other. There was one years ago at um, RCGT. I'm sure this will probably make a few people laugh when I say that, because um, I was playing Skaven, and he was playing Order because he's a big Order fan. And um, yeah, it was terrible. I was I got so cranky playing against him <laughs> it was awful i should never have been like that i was he i played the pop-up scryer and uh yeah i didn't realize that the scenario was the one that you could take so yeah i think you had like three or four objectives on your side and three or four on on their side it was a straight line yep it was like and, scorched earth yeah is that the one where you could run across a table and take your opponents yes, in the first turn. From the, yeah, from AOS and 2 then, or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then you could burn them all. Yes, yeah, that's the one. That's the one, yeah. So you, I was an idiot. And playing pop-up Scryer, I didn't pop hardly anything up. <laughs> so he was playing Sylvaneth with Marathi, so he had so much movement. And he basically come straight across the board, took all my... <laughs> and, and I was like... What the fuck? I said, I was like, is that how you're going to play? And he's like, that's the game. And I was like, this is the worst. I'm like, you're a, you're terrible. That's that's so mean, Rara. I'm like, uh, I'm like, that is the game. That is what happens if we don't know your rules. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People would take advantage of that. And yeah, I then Scry then did what Scry, you know, did back then, and they just killed everything. But I was I couldn't score anything, Sam, because back when the game was all about objectives, and that was it. Pretty much. Yeah. And I learnt my lesson. <laughs> my own experience is um, Scott and Nicole seem to play each other a lot at tournaments. Like they go to Victoria and play each other <laughs> down there. That's my yep. experience with couples playing each other. <laughs> yes, that is true. Those two have managed to play each other more than any other couple that I know because it's. I think Michael and I have only played each other maybe twice in all of the tournaments that we've ever been to. Uh, you know, there's probably maybe a couple more times that hardly any compared to what's yeah, yeah their <laughs> their luck is ridiculous. Yeah, every time, and I think even Jess and Jared have had to play. Like I think I've been to maybe the last has to be two or three tournaments that I've seen them both at. They've had to play each other. Okay. Yeah, so they're another <laughs> it's the one. The joy of being it. a couple, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. I normally have a question to see what people are up to next, but you've sort of gone over a lot of it there. But have, have you got any tournament plans? Hosting uh, ho- or going to? Yeah, well, I, I was really keen to go to GoldCon coming up in August, but I've actually got to go to a work. I've got to go do a work course in New Zealand. Oh wow! Uh, okay. Yeah, so I get back on that Saturday. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. So 
I won't be able to go down there for Gold Con, which is a bit sad because I was really keen for that one. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right. Mick will go for you then. <laughs> yeah, he probably would. Um, he'll probably just go there and theory hammer. Or yes, watch. and just drink beer all the whole time. <laughs> yeah, pretty <laughs> much, yes. Uh, then there was, I think there's, I've got to check the dates for when Gary's one is because I wouldn't mind going to this. There's a one day that he's holding in Toowoomba. Okay. And then if there's some more Burley Brawls, I'll probably go to those. I'd like to go to another one of those at least. And then what Where? What are we in, July? So it's not that far away from Runex, really. So that's definitely... No, it's like we're three not months streaming. away. Yeah. yeah. I really want to go to that rain, hail or shine. So whether we're streaming or playing, probably streaming at this stage if we can make it work and everyone wants to. Uh, then what else is there, Sam? Is there any other... You know, if there's any Mount Gravatt ones, it's always nice to go to them too. Because I think they're doing another heat or final down there at the end of the year in October. Yeah, probably, yeah. I've not really kept up with the Mount Gravatt stuff just because i got 3D printed models, so I can never get to any of them. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, okay. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure they're doing another, another. Um, yeah, what am I trying to say? Heats and heats. finals. Yes. Probably the finals. golden ticket as well, I'd say. Yeah, yep. So... That's I'd, yeah, I'd like to get as to as many as I can. What about what about yourself? Since you don't really get asked too many questions yourself, I, I haven't planned a whole lot. So I've been mainly focusing on the podcast and getting this all done because uh, yeah. I have also picked up a, a, a computer game addiction. So ah, <laughs> Warhammer has been put to the side a little bit. I'm still painting here and there, but I haven't done a whole lot of gaming. Um, yeah, just because I haven't been getting out a whole lot, and I just do a lot of work and then just play online games and paint. Yep, and mainly the yep. podcast as well. Or try to unless people don't get back to you. <laughs> yeah, Named <yes>. Mick. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, that sounds familiar. And then I felt so terrible when I did I was like, oh, yeah, I've got to reply to say, I've got to reply to say. And then I'm like, shit, I haven't replied. <laughs> That's sorry. true. At, le- at least you replied. Mick still just read it and left it. <laughs> yeah. And then he gets up. Oh, he's terrible because we have so much on his mind. Not yeah, I'm making excuses. No, but uh, it's so it's easy that. these days just to get sidetracked. Yeah, oh, it definitely is, especially with the technology. They sort of get – your messages get left down the list or they just get put to the side. I do it myself anyway, so I completely understand. Oh, yeah, and his phone, I swear to God, I want to throw it out the window sometimes because it just <laughs> continues to go off. <laughs> so. well, did, you, did you have any shout-outs here before we end the show? I have shout-outs for everyone, Sam. Like, I just think the community and everyone that's in it, everyone who's helped us past, present, and future – uh, like I just think you guys are all amazing I just yeah there's not one person that I haven't been able to message and ask for help or get advice from or and they've just been you know incredible so I, I think just as a community as a whole I think you all deserve to be thanked and have a pat on the back because you you guys are all champions and I think if we can keep going down this track and, and keep you know keep it going the way that we are I, I think we're going to have the biggest scene in the you know in the world i would like to be greedy and say that because you know go, judging from cancon and if you can have 220 people go down to canberra then you know i think our scene is huge yeah for for the size of the country we are and we had the, the biggest warhammer tournament for what two or three years bidding out the uk and europe and america like that's ridiculous for us our size and now we're getting like what monthly tournaments here in Brisbane and the Gold Coast. Like we're definitely popping off here. Yeah, definitely. And in you know, just as we were just talking about how complicated the game is, but it seems to be more popular. Mm. 
Well, you got like the likes of all the the Warhammer celebrities at the moment all coming out and saying they used to paint Warhammer or they paint Warhammer in the side or new movies and shows and games and all that sort of stuff is definitely pulling people in. The new probably the new Total Wars pulled in new people and stuff like that. So we've got all that. But definitely want to yeah. thank you two both. Like being able to offer your terrain to the whole Brisbane scene has obviously made it a lot easier for TOs because I know when speaking to Scott and Nicole, being able to use all your terrain and stuff just makes it so much easier for everyone else to get tournaments going. When you haven't got to worry about getting 60, 70 players worth of terrain for your 30 or 40 tables, it makes it a lot easier mm. for people yeah, to just definitely. get in and start getting tournaments on. Yeah, and it's, I think that, you know, the the side note of all that is, is it just makes it so much more accommodating too because you don't have to just have a 25 or 30 player event and people miss out on tickets and it's sort of like, oh, well, you know, too bad, so sad sort of thing. You know, you can have, like you said, you can have 60 or 70 people and it's not a, it's not a problem. And, you know, we're seeing that nearly on two-day events, you know, we're getting 40, 50 people easily these days. And people are willing to travel the hour and a half to two hours even just to go to these. And it's just, yeah, I think that's amazing. Yeah, well, our tickets are selling out within five, ten minutes. Like you look at Runax and that's sold out within like five minutes. And yeah. Like Sydney Slaughter and all this sort of stuff. Like everything's just selling out as soon as it goes up. Like there's still a need for tournaments. There is. And, you know, the amount that it's spiked in the last 12 months too, you know, and we're still getting like people buying tickets in five minutes is just it just blows my mind because we've gone from having two years of of nothing to this and just how quickly people have responded to it. It just really shows, it reflects on, on all of us, like honestly. I think everyone has just done a fantastic job. Yeah, it just shows that the community is welcoming and brings in people very easily. Yes, yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, Games Workshop have always made fantastic models and, people just get super keen and being a hobby it's like a passion for everyone you don't have to sell it if people like the game they're going to buy stuff in it yeah that's right well when the models look so great like i've knocked gw for their rules and their decisions but i don't think the models have ever let anyone down like they're definitely top notch sometimes to build some of them was really pain in the neck but they always look nice (laughs) they do always look nice and the freedom that you've got to be able to convert and paint them to however you like to is 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 good too because you don't feel like you've just been pushed into a funnel yes yeah yeah well like you can't do that with other hobbies you can't make or convert your own magic cards or things like that like it's definitely a very creative and open hobby to be involved with exactly and it gives yeah it just it makes it very accepting for everybody well thank you for making time to come on tonight Gemma it's been great to speak to you no worries thank you very much for the invitation it has been awesome it's been great well thank you very much enjoy the rest of your night and I'll see you You later on thank you thank you for listening to Unidentified Wargamer you can find links for the guests located in the description below you can find the show on Twitter at U underscore Wargamer and I will see you next week